I want to jump right into it this evening, if you don't mind. Um, I've just, uh, you know, it's amazing how sometimes uh, God uses things in your own life to begin to paint a prophetic picture about what he's getting ready to do. Has anybody ever experienced that? God will do that, right? He will use things that are happening in our life, and he'll use things that are going on, events, situations, um, and then through those situations, he may speak something to us, right? Has anybody ever had that? Where like maybe you're going through a little bit of a challenging time or you notice something happens and it's amazing how God can use something that would seemingly be so negative and turn it around to be something in our life that we're so very thankful for, right? I think that's the beauty about perspective is that, you know, it was a few years ago that the Lord spoke that to me, that your worst day is someone else's best day, right? And that's like a very, it's a very sobering reality. But I think that what God is intending to do through these seasons is help us to understand what he's trying to do. Because I tell you something, it's not that we're trying to get God on our page, right? We're just not, right? I think that's why all of you are here on a Wednesday night is you're not trying to come here to try to get God on your page. But what we're doing through these seasons of time is we're trying to get on God's page, right? That's the whole thing with the, the, Jewish, the Jewish holidays and the different feasts and tabernacles and events that they have. Uh, uh, I, I love to really be a part of them and I love to do my very best to step into what's going on because in my head, it's if this is what God is doing, I want to be a part of what God is doing, right? I think that sometimes in our Western culture and maybe in the New Testament church, we can get so caught up in needing to understand everything that we miss out on things because we so desperately feel like we need to understand the ins and the outs of them, right? I, I have come to a place where, not that I'm saying we don't study to learn and we don't do those things, but in my head is if, if I don't know what is happening, I do it, and then I go and figure out what I just did, right? Because if this is what God is doing then I really want to be a part of what God is doing rather than missing out on it because I waited. I would rather be in on, even though I don't know what I'm in on, I want to be in on that thing, right? And so I believe that that's really where we are as a ministry. Uh, that's really where we are in life right now is, is God is, you know, we launching of this new message that's on my dad's heart, this place of I believe in miracles and really coming to this understanding. You know, uh, it's like the scripture has been going off on the inside of me, which is um, John chapter 15, where Jesus says, you know, that I am the vine and you are the branches. And when I'm in you and you're in me, you'll ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you by my father who's in heaven. And God has really been challenging me lately with this concept of ask whatever you will. Because I think that sometimes that could be a really challenging concept to us. And sometimes when we talk about giving or we talk about Teshavar, we talk about making a list or we talk about going to prayer, we talk about those things. The reality is, is God is trying to get us to just do something so that he can get all the things that we've been trying to get to us. And sometimes we can allow our feeling like, I need to get this. I need to, you know, I, I'm not sure. Are we in the Old Testament or the New Testament or the Old Covenant or the New Covenant? I'm in this. Is it passed away? Is it here? Is it because of Jesus or is it not in Jesus? Well, I thought we were in Jesus, but now we're not in Jesus. Okay, there's so many things that could try to stop us. But the reality is, is that it, it, my perception is, if this is something that even potentially God is doing, 
I don't want to miss out on what the potential that this is going to unlock, right? Like if we're talking about this season of Teshuva, where the, the, the history of the Jewish people will say that as your, the success or whatever the right word is to which you walk through this season of time is going to be the, really the, the measure that you're going to experience throughout the year, right? That's a crazy thought. It, what's even more crazy is, is that it, with us knowing potentially even what this could mean for us, that we wouldn't do our best. And it, I'm not pointing fingers because I'm guilty of this. You know? I remember doing Teshuvah you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, <laughs> 14. Because you know? I can remember that, right? And I know that there's a reality and I'm not sitting here trying to point fingers. But what I am saying is I believe we're in a new place and in this new place is a time of action, okay? And that's really what I want to talk about tonight. The title of my message is How to Harness the Hype, How to Harness the Hype, okay? Uh, because one of the things is, you know, I, for those of you who know me, um, you, you know, I'm a very passionate person, and when I preach, sometimes I may not say anything great, but I say it in a great way, Right? <laughs> Um, I, I, I am very passionate about the Word of God, and I've seen God transform my life. And so because of that, it just comes out as excitement. And so I love hype, and I love ministers who are hype. But one of the things that I know about hype ministers, being a hype minister, is I can't tell you how many people will come to me at the end of a message that I have slaved over. Like, we're talking laboring in the presence of God. And people will come to me and be like, oh my God, your jokes are so funny, right? And it's like, I ripped that joke off of a book. It had nothing to do with me. And I think that sometimes what can happen is, is that we can get so much because it, hype feels good, right? It feels good to feel good. And, and I believe that's a godly principle that we want to feel good. But one of the things that I've discovered in being a hype person is I can miss a lot of things, that I could get so caught up in the excitement that I forget that under the excitement, God is trying to do something in my life, right? That when I shout for something that's good, it doesn't end with the shout. There, there is something beyond the shout, and that is the manifestation of the promise that I'm shouting for. But I think that sometimes what can happen to us is we get so caught in the hype it's like one of those things that my dad taught us as we were growing up. He, you know, we'd have this cool idea or this cool thought, and he, we would go to tell him, he'd be like, up, 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 up. don't tell me. Don't tell me what it is, because as soon as you start talking about it, you release the pressure, and now the pressure that you could use to get that thing done, you've now released it because you've told me about it. Literally last Wednesday night was fasting and prayer night. I got up here, and I'm like, guys. You don't understand what God has done in my life, right? And I'm talking about, you know, you gotta, we got to pray and we got to take on the responsibility and, you know, we got to step into this place. And then Friday morning, my daughter comes and Saturday morning, I totally forgot what prayer even was, okay? Um, and, 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 I, I can, and so I'm walking through this and, you know, my daughter, she's amazing. If you got to see a picture of her, she'll hopefully be here on Sunday. Um, but you'll get to meet her and you'll get to grow with her and because you guys are a part of our family. Um, 
so I'm, you know, rocking her and I'm holding her and, you know, her cuteness is trying to block out the Lord speaking to me because I know he's trying to talk to me and I'm trying to not listen because I know that he's going to say something that I don't necessarily want to hear. And finally, I'm just like, so then I'm praying over her, right? Because sometimes we could do that. We could be real spiritual, but not spiritual at all. You ever been there before, right? So I'm praying over her and I'm just releasing the blessing and I'm just like, hey, Lord, do you have anything you have to say to her? And he says, so you're going to pray? And I was like, no, no, Lord, to her, my, my, this bundle of joy, right? And I think that sometimes we could do that. And I think that we've all been here in times, right, where we get so hyped in the moment and we're so, not even to diminish the revelation of what has happened in us, but I think that what can happen is, is that because we're such a fast-paced culture, so much is happening to us all the time. I mean, for probably for the majority of you, your life is like mine, and you literally never have a dull day. You never don't have something that you could care about or some new thing that God is talking to you about. Or, uh, you know, we're, we're not short of things to do and things to be a part of. And I think that because of that, what can happen is, is the very thing that God releases to us in order to get our miracle we let go of, and not because we don't want it, but we let go of it because we're so busy trying to grab onto the new and the next and the better. When God is, you know, so often people will come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm so dry and I don't know what's going on. And my very first response to them is, what was the last thing that God asked you to do? And chances are, God is just back there in the last thing he asked you to do. You kept going, but he never asked you to keep going. So he's just patiently waiting there for you to go back to that place where you were. And I think that sometimes when we get into these seasons, these very special moments, there's just some things that God won't let us walk away from. And I mean, fasting and prayer was amazing. If you weren't here, um, it, you know, we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to do another one this year, and you should definitely be there. But just everything that God is preparing us and walking us into, and then coming through the season of Teshuvah and Yom Kippur and the Days of Awe and all the things that God is doing, it's like everything dovetailed into just this one amazing moment. And I believe that God is he's positioning us for a breakthrough. He's positioning us to step into the overflow. And, you know, when I was just talking to the Lord about this, uh, he brought me to Matthew chapter 11. Um, and this is kind of an interesting scripture because there's a lot of different things that are happening right off the bat. Um, and a little bit of backstory in this is, is, you know, Jesus is basically the John the Baptist disciples come up to Jesus because they want to know, you know, John is curious to know, like, are you the guy? You know, are you the guy that we're waiting for? You know, there's been a lot of guys who've come and have gone. Uh, and so I want to know, are you the guy? And if we go to 11 and verse 4, it says this, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on the account of me. Uh, um, and then it says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. So in this scripture, what's happening right now is, is we kind of have this moment where I'm assuming that Jesus was preaching, and I don't know what the culture was like back then, but obviously Jesus had a crowd, 
Uh, and so I'm guessing he was already preaching to this crowd and John's disciples, you know, they were like rushing in with like breaking news. You know, they're like, whoa, 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 stop the show. Jesus, we have to know. You know, we got to go. We can only stay for a couple of minutes. We need to know, are you the Messiah? And then Jesus has this little discourse and he goes back to teaching the people. But now what he does is he begins to use the life of John the Baptist to begin to explain to us the, what, what a New Testament Christian's life, um, really what it should be all about, okay? Because one of the things that you realize in this is Jesus throughout the scriptures is constantly reminding us that good things don't only happen to good people. That it's not only certain people that God has ordained to live good lives, it's not just these hyper-anointed, you know, called and chosen, you live in the wilderness kind of people that God is going to use to change the world. Jesus is always reminding us that if we will simply contend for the promise, that the promise is always there. That God has already set aside your best whether you're good, bad, pretty, or ugly, whether you think that you're the most talented person or the least talented person, God has the destiny, the perfect destiny set aside for you. And this is what he's going to use to speak to us about with John the Baptist. He says this, and Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He says this, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go to, out to see? A prophet? Yes, I will tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. So what Jesus is doing for this crowd is he's painting a picture for them to understand that John is just like them. That although, you know, people would have put him on this pedestal, right? He's this guy who's out in the wilderness and he's baptizing Jesus. And, you know, this must be this special chosen man. But what Jesus is doing is he's reminding people, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is just a regular guy. This is just a guy like you and like me. This is simply just a guy who's decided that he was going to step out and do what I, Jesus, have asked him to do. And then he goes on to say this. This is where I want to focus this evening. It says this in verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, <laughs> there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And verse 12 says this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven have been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. So Heavenly Father, this evening, Lord, as we spend a little bit of time diving into your word, Father, my prayer this morning, Holy Spirit, is that you would go and you would quicken our understanding that we are those violent ones that you would quicken our understanding that it is through our relentless attitudes, through our unwillingness to quit attitudes, that we step into our place of promise, that yes, you have completed the work, but Father, cause there to be an understanding of how we partner alongside of you to get the job done. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I think it's important for us to understand this as we begin to tackle a little bit about this scripture is we need to understand very first and foremost, and I know that I said this, but I'm going to repeat it. The Bible says it like this, that God is not a respecter of persons, okay? That's a very, very important thing to understand, that as a New Testament person, because in the Old Testament, you could tell that there were kind of like special people who were kind of handpicked, you know, like, let's talk about King David. It would talk about in the scriptures that, you know, that then the spirit of the Lord came upon David, right? So it was like he was an ordinary guy like everybody else, but then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon him and now he was extraordinary. Now he had this amazing ability to operate at a level that the world or people around him were unfamiliar with. And then we, you can, we can read about it in the case of Saul, for example, that when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was able to do these amazing things. But then we read about, you know, when he's supposed to sacrifice and he doesn't sacrifice and he reaches out and rips um, Samuel's cloak. And, the, and, and basically it says, Samuel says to him, you know, this day your kingdom has been stripped away from you. And basically at that point, God kind of like separates himself and he goes on to David. And we realize, we watch as Saul has this crazy decline and we can see that in the Old Testament all the time, right? That people go up and people go down and then they go up and then they go down and they go up and they go down. The beautiful thing about the New Testament is the Holy Spirit is not going to come upon you. He lives in you, okay? The Bible says that he has made me his home, okay? Which means he's not moving out, right? He's not, you know, I guess maybe he could go on vacation technically, uh, but in the end of the day, he lives here, Uh, And because he lives here, I can expect to operate in the fullness of what God is asking me to do every day, okay? There is the, I I think the biggest lie is this idea of going through these wilderness times where it's like, God, where are you, okay? I don't believe that because I know where God is. He's on the inside of me, okay? And so it's very important for me to understand this as we talk about this because one of the things that I know that the enemy does because he does it to me, and talking about our promise, is he tries to constantly disqualify me by highlighting my flaws or my faults, right? Doesn't he try to do this to us all the time, where we step out, and we're like, oh God, I believe for this, and we do it, and we do it, and we do it, and then he just squeaks in with that thing, and it's not long before we let go of it, because we allow our faults and our failures to overshadow the goodness of God, Okay. Now the Bible makes it very clear to us that God chose you before you chose him. Right? It says that the very reason you have the ability to love is because God first loved you. Right? The Bible says that God chose you while you were still a sinner. It goes through multiple scriptures to let us know simply that whether you're good or you're bad, whether you have a good day or a bad day, God still desperately desires to show up for you all the time okay, that God will make up the difference in areas where you're weak, Paul said, he is strong, okay? So what I can understand from that is that as we talk about these seasons of breakthrough, as we talk about these seasons of stepping into the promise, I have to constantly remind myself that, that, that God is bigger, right? That God is bigger. Maybe the thing that you're looking at is impossible. Maybe nobody has ever done it before. Maybe nobody's ever come back from this sickness. Maybe nobody was ever ever able to succeed in this business. Maybe nobody was able to have their relationship restored. 
That's fine. That's for them. But what I know is what John 15 said, that if I ask whatever I will, that thing will be done for me according to my Father who's in heaven. That is the nature of God. So what I have to do is I have to constantly remind myself that it's very little on me and very lot on God. That his greatness way overshadows my weakness. In fact, the Apostle Paul was able to say it like this, that I glory in my weakness. That's a challenging thought. But I glory in my weakness. That it was like when he found an area that he wasn't good, he got excited about it. Because it was another area or opportunity for God to show up on his behalf to be strong where, he, where the Apostle Paul was weak. Okay? One of the things that we're inundated with in our culture is that only the strong survive. Right? That, you know, you got to be better. You got to be smarter. You got to be faster. You got to know more. You got to do more. You got to work harder. You got to, okay, we got all of these things. And by no means am I negating that we should be the best version of ourselves. But sometimes we can forget that in the end of the day, the Bible says that it's God who brings the promotion. And so I could be the best version of myself. I could be the worst version of myself. What I'm focusing on is the God that's on the inside of me. Right? The Bible says that the very power that raised Christ from the dead is living and active right now on the inside of me. I mean, if it's got enough power to help a guy raise himself from the dead, right? nobody went and laid hands on him. Nobody was applying. It was like his dead body had enough faith to bring his dead body back to life, okay? I mean, that is the epitome of power. If you, and that power is on the inside of me. But what can happen is the enemy constantly tries to make me feel like, well, I can understand why it happens for you. You know, sure wish those things could happen for me. You know, that's great, but... But what? He constantly tries to highlight our weakness. And so this is the thing, right? We think about, you know, we talk about the Teshuva list. You know, we're like, hey, everybody, do your Teshuva list. I'd ask for a show of hands right now, but I don't want to embarrass all of us, myself included, right? You know, and then I think about it like this, and, you know, then somebody does their Teshuva list, and they get up at the end of the year, and they're like... Woo, I got a testimony for you, you know? And we're like, yeah, okay, right? We're like, oh, yeah, it would be nice to be them. Well, you didn't do your list, and so you, you shouldn't be upset, okay? But even still, right, like, praise God. But I think that sometimes we could do this, right? We come up with these things, these excuses. I don't know about you, but I can be a master of excuses. You know, I could be a master of jealousy, even though I know what to do and I don't do it, I still get jealous of the fact when you did what I could have done to get the results that you got, right? And I think that sometimes we could be our own worst enemy simply because we don't just step out and do the things that God is asking us to do. What? We could get so caught up in our weakness. Well, I don't have enough money in order to give. No, you don't have enough money to afford to not give, right? Because I think that sometimes what can happen is, is we can allow worldly wisdom, worldly understanding to mix, right? And that's what that scripture says, that, that you can't have sweet water and bitter water, right? You can't have those two sources flowing together because in the end of the day, it's all going to come out bitter. 
And I think that sometimes we can think about that, you know? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to do some of the scriptures. And it's like, well, that's cool that you do some of the scriptures, but you're only going to see life from the some that you do. Can I get a, like a small amen? Like maybe, maybe like a, maybe like a squeak. Right? But this is the thing, and this is, what, this is what Jesus was alluding to in this passage of Scripture in Matthew, is he's, he's letting us know that, listen, the, the fact that God is doing all of these things has nothing to do with what, who I am, or what I am, or where I am, or how smart I am, or how good I am. He goes on to tell me exactly the, 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 the ingredient that causes the miracle when he says that from the, very, from the time of John the Baptist, what the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I tell you something, we don't often talk about violence as a good thing. We don't often talk about being violent as though it's something you should do right from the pulpit. You don't hear very often. Normally we're telling you, don't be violent. Okay, but in this scenario, in this scripture, what Jesus is letting us understand is that there are some things that are in that, that you could have if you'd be willing enough to be violent enough, to be active enough, to be diligent enough to go after that thing until that thing manifests in my life. This is the distinction. This is the dividing line between what Jesus is saying to people who have and who have not is simply there are some people who are willing to fight for something and some people who aren't. Because I tell you something, this violence, it's a posture. It is a, you know, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a, it's a response. It's an action. It's a, you know, you, when you talk about a violent person, it's not like, I, I wouldn't look at Mike right now and be like, shoot, dude, you are like a violent guy as he's sitting there, you know, just hanging out. No, there, somebody would do something very specific, right? Like if Sandy ran up here with a knife and tried to like slash me, he'd be like, whoa, dude, chill. You're so violent because there's an action that's associated with the word. I think that sometimes we could, yeah, we could. We could definitely think that, you know, well, I'm just waiting on God. And, you know, I'm just waiting on God to do it. You know, and when Jesus writes my list, then, I'll, I'll, then it will be written. So be it, hallelujah. Right? And I think that there is a reality, right? The waiting on God is, is not necessarily sitting and waiting. It is waiting in the sense that I won't be moved. I won't be stopped. I won't be... I won't be challenged. I won't be, uh, you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so I feel like this. I, I feel like what God is asking us to do is to step into this place of violence because it looks like something. It requires a response. Although you might feel like, well, what is writing a silly teshevalist? What is, you know, giving a silly offering going to do? It is a violent attack at the enemy to say, although my life looks this way today, I'm giving because I'm expecting my life tomorrow to look differently. And this is the reality, this is the reality of what God is asking us to do. But if I won't be brave enough to be violent enough to change anything, then I can't expect anything to change. Because I am not waiting on God, God is waiting on me. And this is such an important thing for us to understand. You know, because it's like if you think about it, if I was holding like this water bottle in my hand, right? And you ran up and you like snatched it out of my hand, right? And I'd be like, oh, oh, oh. okay, 
right? And I'll just let you run away with my bottle. But if I was holding my kid in my hand and you ran up here and you snatched her, but how many of you know I would have a very different response? I wouldn't just be like, hup, hup, nope, I guess she's gone, right? <laughs> Obviously that would never happen. And I think that sometimes what can happen is, is that we treat the promise of God like the used water bottle rather than the promise, the child of what God has given to us. I tell you something, there is nothing worth holding on to more than the destiny that God has given to you. And that's why Jesus is saying it's the, the violent ones. It's the ones who take it. That's a, that's a strong how many of that looks like something? That looks like, you know, I'm giving this offering and it's like, you got to rip it out of my hand. You know, like, I literally need you to take this from me because I can't give, you know? It looks like something. It looks like, you know, staying up till three o'clock in the morning and writing your Teshuvah list if that's what it takes. It looks like, why? Because God, the Bible says God is searching the whole earth his eyes are moving to and fro, looking for a man who's ready for God to move on their behalf. God is looking. He's searching for your list. He's searching for your offering. Why? Because he's waiting for someone to align themselves with his principles so he can release his blessing. And so like I said from the very beginning, I love hype. But what I've discovered is hype is very short-lived. I mean, evidence from my own life. I'm not separating myself from you. I'm saying, you know, I was so hype about praying, and then, you know, this new amazing event happens, and it's like, oh, you know? And then God is screaming in my ear, you know, what about praying? You know, remember the promise that you're going to be angry at the fact that I haven't done three months from now. You know, you should probably pray about that, right? You should probably, right? Why? Because the violent we do something about it. We take our, our lives into our hands. We use our authority. We stand on the word of God. We do what the word tells us to do because we're, like my dad says, fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded that even if it makes no sense, I'm going to empty my bank account right now. I'm fully persuaded, even if it makes no sense, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop taking my medication. I'm fully persuaded right now, and I'm just going to move to Fort Erie because of the fact that I believe that's where. I'm fully persuaded right now that I'm just going to love my spouse because I believe God's going to turn around. I'm fully persuaded right now, whatever it is that you know God is asking. So what do I do? What? I take a step. I take a step. But why? Because hype is short-lived, but commitment is forever. I don't want to just be hyped about the scriptures. I want to be committed to this process. I want to stand for my miracle until I see my miracle happen. I don't want to just know about it. I don't want to just hear about it. I want to live in it. And the thing that I started praying over myself is, Lord, make me disciplined to fight for my promise. Well, because I realize that I'm the one who's going to do the fighting. And so I'm going to close with my three points here. So what does it look like to harness our hype? Because that's really what we want to do. That's what this is all about. 
because it's when we leave the room this evening, we're going to have the opportunity to either do or just hear and be hyped. And God bless you either way. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, all right. he's not going to bless you, but no, just kidding. He will bless you to the very best of his ability. Too. And so that's the thing. That's, I, I can remember, you know, I, I'm good on time. I can remember specific moments in my life of this, you know. Remember a few years back, we had uh, a guy come. I don't even know who he was or if he was a real human being or if it was like Inception and we were all actually dreaming and he wasn't real. I don't know. I have, it was like he was here and then he was gone. And it was like, oh, he like disappeared. Maybe he was an angel. I don't know. But I can remember he came and he talked to us about prayer. And it was like one of those moments where it was like, it, came, it was just the right thing at the right moment. The dots connected for me. I walked it out and I saw the increase of God in my life. I could take you back to specific moments in time like this where it wasn't even like I had to do anything special. It wasn't even like I had to do anything special. I just had to simply take what God gave me and actually begin to use it. Because I had heard about prayer my whole life. My mom is like the best teacher on prayer there is. But I tell you something, knowing, knowing the principles, knowing the stuff, knowing I should was very different than actually sitting down and saying, if this cost me eight hours today, this is worth the, this is worth the time. The payout is worth the investment. And I believe at this point of where we are right now, this is, this is kind of like a dividing moment because I believe that through the rest of this year, um, there's going to be like some separating. And not like separating like you're going to leave our church. It's going to be separating like there's going to be some people who are going to blow up in a good way. And there's going to be some people who are going to just stay the same. There's going to be some people who things really start to happen for. And there's going to be people where we're going to just look at them and be jealous of them because they're not happening for us. And normally I don't like to preach like this, but the older that I get and the more things in my life that I see, I've become very aware that if I'm going to give my life for this, that if I'm going to sacrifice my time and my energy, I'm going to show up to church service after church service and beat those drums and preach these messages. If I'm going to say no to all the things in the world, I want, I want the life that comes from the scriptures. I don't want to just talk about being happy. I want to be happy. Because that's where, that's where we are right now. And I believe that the Lord just brought me here, sort of brought me here, I go here and I live here, but <laughs> he brought me here in a very prophetic way. <laughs> I'll be here tomorrow too, but <laughs> to just remind us of his goodness. 
And when you're making your Teshuvah list, it's not a silly piece of paper. It is like you are writing, you, you, you are writing demands to heaven for what God is going to manifest in your life. And so how do we do this? The very first thing that we have to do, I have three R's. The very first thing we have to do is we have to receive it. I have to receive. I have to take it. I have to, when God releases a promise to me, I have a choice. I'm either going to take it or I'm going to leave it. Right? Everybody knows that. If I give you this, if I said, hey, Kate, here's a water bottle. She only has two options. She can either take it or she could leave it. When we come to church, this is what God is doing. God is showing us all the options, all the promises, all the things, and we have an option. We're either going to take it or we're going to leave it. I think that sometimes what I have done in my life is I have thought that I have taken it, but really I've left it. Right? I've taken it in a religious way where I've told other people they should take it, but I never took it for myself. Anybody ever been there? No, you guys are better than me, right? So what? I have a choice of I'm either going to take it or I'm going to leave it, right? And so when my dad is standing up here and my mom is standing up here and people are standing up here and they're talking to us about what God is doing, my response needs to be, I want to take this. I want to have that. I want to see this. I want to do this. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Why? Because when I do that, when I simply take it, what it causes there to be a response of something on the inside of me. Like you ever had that before where you hear something and it's maybe you hear a teaching and it's this amazing, perfect moment in time where it's like all the stars aligned and you finally got this one teaching and it like just totally rocked you, right? You receive it. And what's the first thing that you want to do? You want to go tell somebody about it, right? You want to call somebody. You want to tweet it. You want to gram it. You want to Facebook it. You want to call your friend or call your neighbor or call your mom. You know that YouTube song, right? Yeah. Anyways. You want to do something with it, but what? When we receive it. Because yeah. we can hear lots of messages and it's just in one ear and out the other. But when I receive it, things change. Okay? I have this written down. Don't let past failures steal our future promises. Because sometimes what can happen is when I say to you, God wants your body to be healthy, or let's use Teshuvah as an example. I say to you, God is going to meet you on your Teshuvah list. That when you write those things down, God is going to use that as a list and he's going to begin to answer those things. What our brain wants to do is our brain wants to say, yeah, but I remember in 2010 when I did that and he didn't do anything on my list. So because he didn't do anything for me in 2010, it's not worth my time right now. What's happening? Past failures, stealing future success. And we do that in life all the time unless we become aware of it and stop the cycle. Okay? You go, we have to, in every area of our life, we have to stop the cycle. The, very f- the first thing we have to do is receive. The second thing that we have to do is we have to respond. Okay? Respond is the most important factor. The, the, the New Testament differentiates. It says, it says that you can't differentiate faith from action. Okay? that they are hand in hand. They are hand in glove, right? They go together. And so I can't just receive the word and have it build faith. In order for that thing to happen in my life, I have to find a way to respond. So whether it's I'm believing God for finances, that means that I have to be generous. If I'm believing God that he's going to fix my relationship, I have to sow seeds of love, okay? So often in our culture, what we can do is, is we're constantly waiting for God to do something first, and then we'll respond off of that. Like, I've heard people say that to me. You know, when God blesses me with a million dollars, whoo, I'm going to be so generous, right? And it's like, no, you're not. 
It's true. It's true. Right? Because it's like, it, it's like you, you have a relationship problem and you're constantly waiting for the other person to be loving first in order for things to change. Your relationship is never, what? Because the problem is, is I'm waiting for you and you're waiting for me. And it's like, well, I guess it's over. Right? And I think that that sometimes can be the problem that we have in our life is that we're constantly waiting for God to take the first step. I'm waiting for God to bless me. And then once he blesses me, then I'll believe in him and then I'll do my list. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. What? I do my list, And then what happens is, wow, God did one of the things on there. And what happens? Oh, it begins to stir a little bit of faith. Wow, I believe God can do this. And then it's like, I get caught up in this of what God did on this one thing. And then, whoa, man, he did another. And then there's another, and I'm beginning to learn his nature. And then because I'm, excuse me, beginning to learn his nature, I begin to believe in him a little bit more. And then because I believe in him a little bit more, oh, wow, look at that. He did another thing on my list. And before I know it, my list is ticked off. But what? It required action on my part. And the third thing that I have to do is repeat. You like that? You know, like a shampoo bottle where it says like lather, rinse, repeat. You know, the problem is they should give you like a cutoff point, right? Lather, rinse, and repeat twice. Right? You're like, ah, oh, God, this is ridiculous. I've been here for two hours. Right? Nobody does that. Okay. But we should do it, it when it comes to scriptural, spiritual things. Because it's not just about doing it once. Right? It's not just about making one good confession. How many of you know you're not going to fix something that's broken? You're not going to fix a broken relationship if you just do one nice thing. Right? You with me on that? It's like you ever done the love dare? I did it before. Uh, sort of did it. It's hard. Okay? But why? I didn't do the love dare because something was wrong. I did it because I was daring myself to do it. Right? And so you do it and you realize, wow, this is really, I mean, that was just 40 days. But it's really something to for 40 days be disciplined in order to do something, to be sowing seeds of life into this situation every single day. But what, isn't that what the Bible tells us? Meditate on the word day and night. And then when you've meditated on the word day and night, you will what? Observe to do. And this is the scriptural process is I can't use my past because sometimes I remember going to a conference and then I'm done. Maybe. I can remember going to a conference and it was with Kim Walker and she was talking about her encounters that she'd had with God at different times in her life. And she made this statement, it, 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 the basic statement was that she had some encounters, but most of the time that she spent with God, it wasn't an encounter. And it bothered her for a long time until God spoke to her and he said to her, every Every time, you, every time you, you come into my presence and you don't experience an encounter, it's not that I wasn't there, but that you, what you were doing was is that you were sowing into the next encounter that I was about to bring to you. Now, I think that sometimes what can happen is, is that we can forget or, or, or we can look at what we've done. I can look at the fact that I gave $5 in the offering and I didn't necessarily see a return. But what we don't realize is that that's accumulating in our heavenly bank account because we're going to need to make a large withdrawal in the future. And because I can't see what I'm going to need in my future, man, I'm thankful that God is not in the present, but he's also in the future because he knows things. He's setting me up for things that I may not actually want the harvest right now if I knew what was coming in the future. But God knows 
And that's where I have to trust. And that's why maybe nothing happened with my five bucks today. Maybe my relationship didn't change with my one loving act. But I realized something. These are seeds that I'm sowing to my future. These are seeds that I'm sowing to my miracle. And so because of that, I can sow. And I don't even care if I don't reap because I know that I will reap if what? I faint not. What? The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm not waiting. I'm not wondering. I'm not wandering. What? I'm taking it by force. I'm doing something. So what? Do your testables, would you? There's going to be some things on your testable list that you need a miracle for. Man, I love how God like just brings things together. The very time he's asking us to step out and believe for a miracle, he's releasing the anointing and the open door to get a miracle. I can't. (laughs) That was unscripted. It was raw. You see what I'm saying? It's like God, he has set up this moment in time for us to experience everything that he has set us up for. And I'm going to close with this. (laughs) I was thinking about this. So you know, Justin and me, we had kids. I didn't have a kid. Danielle had a kid. Jess and Danielle had kids. I did really nothing. We both, both of our kids came in different ways. Um, Jess had, was induced, if we don't mind I'd say this. Jess was induced, and Danielle had a cesarean section, scheduled cesarean. And it bothered me for a little while. Um, because, you know, you think, like, you want to be perfect, right? Because, like, this is why we serve God, because our life is supposed to be perfect, right? <laughs> Maybe like way down the road is going to be perfect. But. And so I, I asked the Lord, you know, God, like, what's the deal here? My mom alluded it to in fasting and prayer, um, it, which was, it's, it's a, man, like, it's like C.S. Lewis says, either everything is spiritual or nothing is. Jess's due date was supposed to be the 15th. My due date was supposed to be today, the 19th. And Jess gave birth on the 7th, and Hudson was born on the 7th, and Lola was born on the 14th. And the number seven is talking about the com- like completion. It's talking about perfection. It's talking about God manifesting himself in the most full way. And the number 14 is essentially just the double, obviously. Seven to seven is 14. And combined with I Believe in Miracles, combined with the season of Teshuvah, it's like... The kingdom suffers violence. And we we the violent ones we take it by force. We take our promise. We take our miracle. We take our promotion. So Heavenly Father this evening Lord, we thank you for your word and your goodness. 
Holy Spirit, we just allow you in this moment. Let's just take a second. I hope silence doesn't bother you, but I'm just noticing the silence. Father, right now we choose collectively, corporately, as an act of our will to loose from our souls any trauma, any situation, any past failure, any fear, anxiety, and worry that would try to keep us stuck where we are, that would try to keep us stuck in our place of wanting and never receiving. And in its place, Father, we choose right now to bind to our soul the hope and the expectation of the goodness and the completeness of who you are. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.